Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh Lindsay. Hello. And our button-pushing guy sitting next to Christian, Jason Rugg. Aloha. Aloha, yes. <laughs> I like the hi there. It's hey there. Hey there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hey there, Jason Rugg. So we are back from, well, we haven't met in a while. Right? No, we haven't met in a while. Yeah, we we sort of recalled them, record them in batches. Yes. Uh, and there has been a lot of water under the bridge since we met last. Lots of water. One of them being a film festival that I was jealous to hear you attended. Yeah, it happened at the last minute. I didn't expect to ever be at Sundance. It was sort of like a bucket list thing. Absolutely. So, for, so intro, what is the Sundance Film Festival for those listeners who do not know. Fabulous uh, start. The Sundance Film Festival is a film festival in Park City, Utah, which has now expanded a little bit to Salt Lake City, Utah. It has been running for many years now, since the 70s. Uh, It was established by Robert Redford. He loves Utah, loves film. It started sort of, you know, at the Sundance, at the, I think it's the Sundance Mountain Resort. I think that's what it's called. Okay. I don't know. Um, Park City is this ski mecca. I mean, you can ski right into Park City, like right into downtown. It's <laughs> okay. crazy. Um, and apparently there's this huge mountain range, and you can just ski from one mountain range to the next, like all over. You can spend the whole day up in these mountains and then, you know, land up in the towns. Um so it's uh, a gathering place for people that love skiing, that love movies, uh, and that love to talk to other filmmakers, industry professionals from all over the world come there. Um, so it's a huge, it's like, you know, it's the film festival of film festivals, really. It's, okay. Well, I mean, here in the United States, because what, what other film festivals besides Cannes? Is it called Cannes? Cannes. 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 There is a Cannes. Cannes is in northern France. Cannes is in southern France. The Cannes Film Festival is in southern France in May. Um, There uh, there are film festivals all over the world that are important in every big city. Um, You know, even Tokyo and Seoul, South Korea and, um, you know, Venice and Krakow and... Czech Republic Everywhere. and Berlin and <laughs> yes, they're all over the world. Um, and some of them are more prominent than others. Some of them are Academy Award qualifying. Is Sundance? Yes. Um, and what that means is that if you win a certain category, um, you can automatically qualify for consideration in the Oscars. Oh. So and if an Academy Award qualifying film festival, it, you know, exists, it depends on which category you're in. So, for example, there's a lot of Academy Award qualifying film festivals, but maybe their documentary category does not qualify you. I see. Um, it's the narrative one. So, um, so anyway, I'm just only learning this because I'm now neck deep in film festival education myself. Um, and the reason I ended up at Sundance was because our new executive producer, David Patterson, who I'm so eternally thankful for, 
He, um, once we gave him executive producer credit because he was going to help us in so many different ways, he said, well, you know, I can go to Sundance. I'm going to Sundance and I will represent you. David, uh, originally in around 2000, early 2000s, he had, um, He's a stuntman. He was an actor, but his mother is a famous playwright. Her name is Catherine Patterson, not playwright, sorry, children's author, um, who is just this prolific, award-winning author. He would take her books and turn them into plays. Mm. So he'd written all these scripts, and at one point, he was like the only playwright that had three uh, Broadway-ish. Uh, he had one on Broadway, one off-Broadway, and one off-off-Broadway all at the same time. Um, but he couldn't get an agent, so he took his play, turned it into a screenplay, made a movie called Love Ludlow, and just decided to enter it into Sundance. He thought it was in California. He really didn't even know anything <laughs> about it. And he ended up getting in on his very first try. Wow. And that was, I think, 2005 or 2006. And ever since then, like once you become an alumni, like it's so super hard to get into Sundance that it does afford you this kind of, uh, you get a little badge that says he was a former Sundance filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And um, he uh, was going to go there and meet with a whole bunch of different people. And he thought, you know, he'll be a representative of our film. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, wait a minute. Nobody really can speak on behalf of this film but me, so I better go and join him. <laughs> and then I remembered that my uh, unit production manager, Rick Arbazani, uh, volunteered at, at Sundance, volunteers at Sundance, and I you know, called him. I'm like, hey, are you still volunteering this year? Do you have a place to stay? Yeah, I rented this big cabin, and I invited all these people, but now nobody's coming. So I'm like... Hey, that's a sign. I'm supposed to come. So uh, he's like, yeah, sure. Come on out. Well, of course, I have had zero time to research, understand, or comprehend anything about Sundance. I'm learning everything on the fly. Um, so I don't know the locations of anything. I just am totally, completely blind and figuring I'll figure it out. I did learn as I did preliminary research, if you want to get into anything, you uh, – bottom need a credential, which is $300, and that gets you into some specific only things. And I did learn that at Sundance, it's all about who you know, right. who you know, and uh, that changes everything. If you know no one, if you do not have a credential, it's a miserable experience, <laughs> in my opinion, um, because of how the film festival is set up and how many people are there. And uh, so, yeah, it was like a it was baptism by fire. So he was there because he was going to go anyway. Yes. Then he becomes executive producer. Yes. And says, I'll represent you. So yes. what does that look like now that Sundance has come and gone, him representing your film. Yes. So David is in these exclusive clubs. Mm -hmm. He is meeting with other filmmakers. He's meeting with other people who fund films. He's um, meeting with other people in different uh, film festivals that are there representing their film festival. Mm -hmm. um, so for him to say, hey, let me tell you about this new project I'm working on is, uh, is an amazing thing because 
more people then hear about our project. And we have an opportunity to sort of pitch things more and, you know, just leads to one connection leads to another. And that was what was so fascinating about Sundance. I felt like I was with my people. You walk down (laughs) the street and like everybody is talking about, like, I, I loved just capturing one sentence as a time as I walked by people. I heard somebody say, yeah, last night I was at Glenn Close's, you know, private party. And, you know, another person says, well, I was thinking about in this edit, we would do X, Y, Z. And I was like, everywhere, conversations were swirling around me that I could understand and that I could relate to. And uh, it was great. I felt like I was (laughs) with my peeps. So this this well, I've mentioned this film before, but uh, the documentary "My Date with Drew." Yes, right? I love that. Who's one. trying to get a, a date with Drew Barrymore? If you haven't seen it, do it's great. Uh, what's fun about that film is he he tracks a whole six degrees of separation as he's trying to get closer to Drew. You know, and and in your instance with Sundance and just making this film in general, it's like you know it's it's interactions and one person leading you to another and getting one step closer to someone that can do something or introduce you to the right person or provide money or make a connection or whatever it might it be. It is the story of this film. Right. It's just it's like a it's like a fun game. Isn't that what you think of? It's a fun game. It's a, it's for me, it's like Christmas morning. Like every day I wake up and I think, what's gonna happen today? Like no, I really do. <laughs> and and sometimes it's not so good. That's <laughs> right. happened a lot, but Isn't more often, your stocking? <laughs> yeah, but more often than not, it's been an, a surprising, wonderful thing that I didn't expect. Sure. Um, so, Sunday. Speaking of things I did not expect, I kind of want to take you through. Um, what not to do at Sundance okay. <laughs> uh, because I did uh, have a baptism by fire in a lot of ways and it is important to, I think to understand what Sundance is all about if you ever want to go which I recommend you both go because you love movies yeah. and well, it's if I have to <laughs> <laughs> you know, apparently and, I need some credentials yeah that's... yeah well so here's <laughs> the thing know you know I always in the back of my mind had this idea of Sundance and I knew it was on my bucket list and I wanted to go it never actually occurred to me that like hey, buy the ticket, just go, just go. Don't sit there and wait for it to happen. Just do it. And um, I encourage you, look look ahead at your life, figure out, you know what, this year I'm going to go. It's every January, so it doesn't change in terms of the time of the year. You know it's happening every year, so just plan to go. However... Which yes. I just want to say that that uh, methodology, what you just said of just like, oh, yeah, it'll eventually happen, is... Really what a lot of filmmakers or people who want to be filmmakers fall into is, yeah. oh, yeah, eventually I'll make my film. Eventually I'll write my script. Yeah. And they, it's That exact mentality is just do it. It is. Just make it happen. Just start. Just go. That is exactly how you actually – get going. It's so right? true. That's the I only mean, reason you're here right now. Yeah. It's just get yourself unstuck from wishing and dreaming. You know, it goes back to, did I tell you, I don't know if I ever shared this on this podcast before, but the analogy that I learned from watching Facing the Giants did no, I ever no. share this no, with you? No, no. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about that movie. This was a watershed moment for me. This is back in like 2000, no, yeah, 2000, I don't know, six, seven. I don't know when Facing the Giants came no, out. Look it, is, up. It, is, this look it the, up. is this the football scene? Like it is guy? not. No. It is not the football scene. But this is a movie, and it was, you know, 2006. 2006. That's what I thought. It was a very instrumental time in my own family's life. My son is a junior at Aurora Christian School. It's They're all about the football. Don Beebe, who is the, this, you know, he's had this storied career in the NFL as the coach of my son's football team. And that movie comes out, so we watch it all together as a big football family. And there is a scene between... 
uh, the lead character, the coach, I forget his name, but scene between him and this guy that walks through the halls praying for everybody. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Sort of a prophet of sorts. He walks through, you know, he's putting his hands on these lockers. He's praying for different kids. And at one point, he's in his office late at night, and the football coach walks in, and this guy starts talking to him. And he says, you know, he's lamenting about all these difficult things. And he tells him this parable about two farmers that both prayed for rain. And one of them plowed his field in expectation of the rain. Right. Mm. Where do you think the rain fell? And it's sort of based on a biblical parable, I think, somewhere. For me, that spoke volumes because at that time, 2006, I was this wannabe actress and I'd gotten my degree in theater. I'd made some initial steps. I was with a touring company. But now, you know, this is like 15 years later and I just have done nothing with it. My heart as a creative person was like, oh, I so desperately want to do something creative. I want to be an actress. And what that said to me at that moment is I can't sit there and wish and want and, you know, hope that one day that will happen to me. I have to step forward as, you know, in trust that it's going to happen. And that means I need to get up and start preparing myself for when the rain comes. And that was the beginning of me starting to do acting things, which sort of has led to everything else. And that mindset has I've I've applied that in every single thing that I've done. You know, I may hope that one day this film will be sold. I may hope that it wins a film festival, but just sitting around doing nothing is not going to advance that goal. So I just have to move forward as if it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's true. You really just do. So if you have a desire to go to Sundance, look into going next year. That's my <laughs> challenge to you. And the first thing I want you not to do is do not get a cabin <laughs> in the woods <laughs> half an hour from Park City. That was a disaster because I didn't, you know, plan for this place. Rick Arbazani, who's a mountain man who loves, you know, snow and all that sort of stuff, got this cabin. And the person that owned this Airbnb has never really rented it out in the winter. Well, there happened to be a huge snowstorm right before we arrived there. And our first instance was there's like six feet of snow all around this place. And our landlord's trying to shovel out the driveway. He gets stuck. We spend our first two hours there trying to figure out how to get back down off the mountain. And we realize that for the rest of our time here, this is going to be a problem because there was like snow the whole time. Thankfully, I was with my uh, composer, Jeff Kurtnacker. It was a wonderful time. We'd met each other in Normandy for a couple of days, but mostly we have worked remotely. So it was a good time of getting to know each other. Plus, we had not finished this cut of the film. We were still working remotely on score and sound stuff and exporting things like that. So first thing is research carefully where you are going to stay. And my recommendation is pay the extra money, stay closer to Park City, because in the end, you're going to waste it in time and other things. The other big problem is they're going to tell you all the time, do not park, do not plan to park in Park City. 
because Park City is this tiny, imagine it being Wheaton, Illinois. It's this tiny little town with just one main street that goes from the bottom of a hill to a top of a hill. And there are stores on either side. There's uh, the Egyptian theater is there. Um, and there are a whole bunch, these stores, a lot of them are taken over and rented out by different things. Canon has one. Sundance TV headquarters has one. Uh, all of CNN films has one, like all of these different stores. Some of them are stores. Others of them are taken over by businesses and they pay high rent just to be there and they turn them into private clubs. So there is really no parking on any of the streets and they, you're not even allowed to park in front of the theaters, even if there is parking there, they tell you, you have to park outside and take the bus system in and around. So they do have a complex shuttle system. However, it is a pain in the ass. And after the first day, uh, we decided, Jeff and I decided it was much better to just pay the exorbitant amount for parking that they were charging you. Because mm. there's parking in parking garages. It just costs a lot of money. However, on the last day, I found a really cheap parking place, like way up at the top that was city parking that wasn't too much. But so anyway, I, yes, the bus is there, but we preferred to pay for parking so that we could walk up and down. Um, there's that. It is also super cold and snowy. So I don't know why in my brain I'm thinking I'm going to California, maybe because it was all, <laughs> it was all sunny west. and film and I was going west. And I don't know. I did not expect it to be that cold and I did not expect there to be that much snow. So if you do, make sure you prepare a Accordingly, the thing that I also wish I would have done would have researched a little bit about what people wear. Because as a person who cares what I look like, the whole time I was like, oh, man, I should have done my research. I really feel like I need to go shopping. I don't really fit in here. <laughs> like, you have the types of people who they are there to be seen. And, like, they are... Um, Everything is in your outerwear, the hats, the boots, the coats, the gloves. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of time to take off those things. So right. it's very important that you make a big splash with those and your glasses. And although Jeff Kurtnacker said to me that, Christian, if you if you're dressed up like, you know, you're L.A. in snow gear, right. you know, you probably don't have much substance. <laughs> at least you know you've got some substance. Right. Uh, so, but I do wish I'd have paid a little bit more attention to, you know, I don't know, my winter I'm wear. I'm making a mental checklist of everything you said in that last one. I'm kind of like, I don't have to, I'm not going to worry about that one. <laughs> yeah, the guys weren't trying too hard, you know. They didn't really care. Like, if you wear black, that's the thing. All right. Wear black and, and you boys are fine. But, like, there was this one woman. She was tall, skinny, beautiful, blonde model with this, like, ginormous pink, fluffy, like, Russian hat thing on the top of her head or stark blonde hair. Like, you couldn't miss her no matter where she was. You know, another one had this big, huge, red-brimmed hat. Like, I mean, it's all in the hats and the boots. Those were the things, like, you noticed right away. Um, I'll go, but only if I get to wear the pink fuzzy hat <laughs> with a completely well, black You can also on. copy Jeff Kurtnacker, who apparently got the nickname of Mr. L.A. because he had the look. I mean, he really had the look. He had this baseball cap. His branding was on point. He right. had this great brand guy who made him a logo. He put it on a hat. You know, it's kind of grayish with a 
black brim. He was always wearing a black shirt. He has these cool black glasses. And his swag, like his business card, was this like metal disc with JK, his logo on the middle. And it's a USB key. And it has his music loaded on it. Everybody that he gave it to, it doesn't matter like how LA they were. They were all like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest <laughs> business card I've ever seen. It was truly awesome. So He gave one to me when he yeah. was here this last week. And it, it feels like you're receiving a gift. Yes. Like he hands it to you and you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, you know, he's just giving you his business card with his music. Yeah. But it really feels almost like you're handing somebody a poker chip. Absolutely. It's so cool. Yeah, it really is a cool thing. And I was so surprised at how many people in the music industry or, you know, producers had never seen anything like that. It really shows you, like people noticed him. Like my producer, um, David Patterson and I, we watched people look at Jeff going, who is that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so he thought we were joshing him. <laughs> uh, but no, but it was really happening because it is all about like the look. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah, you needed to, unless you, you know, if you don't care about that, don't worry about that little note. But for me, I did. And I will be rethinking my wardrobe next time I go back. Um, okay, so uh, I don't know if we want to keep going with my Sundance lessons because I do have more, or if you want to well, wrap up here. Want to break it into another episode? You sure. Yeah, the, the cliffhanger is, well, what came of it? Yeah. Right? Yes. So we've heard about the lead up that we haven't heard. Absolutely. I'll tell you that next. Oh, okay. fantastic. All right, well, hey, thanks for joining us for Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, and sign up for our newsletter at Normandy Store. Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.